never, ever marks the spot. I am altering the deep. Pray I don't alter it any further. Most of the intelligence community doesn't believe he exists. The ones that do call him the Winter Soldier. I'm Batman. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Top 5 Report, the podcast that would like an answer to the following question. Why is NASA able to receive data from 4.67 billion miles away, but we lose Wi-Fi in our kitchen? Right. My name is Drew. I'll be your host of the evening. Along with me, as always, is my brother, Peter. How are you, man? I'm pretty good. How about yourself? It's been a week. Um, <laughs> this is another nice. long work week for me. So I just it's like I wake up this morning and I was like, oh, it's only Thursday. <laughs> only Thursday. <laughs> I know that's the that's the problem. It's just it's only Thursday. Um, I know it's that's what happens when you like I it's just I have a goofy schedule right now. I have some time off coming, but it's like still a ways off. I'm going to I got two weeks off in December and I'm probably going to spend most of it sleeping. I feel like to get my let my body catch up. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> what are you doing your vacation? I slept and I feel great. <laughs> um, so what's new with you? How was your week? Um, it's pretty good. Um, I'm actually I actually have a short week. I'm taking the day off tomorrow. Um, it's kind of one of those situations where I just covered for a coworker for like a couple months while they were out on maternity leave. So I just need like a long weekend and uh, we're going to spend the day like going to pumpkin patches and stuff like that tomorrow. So I'm pretty uh, stoked. <laughs> I can't say I can relate to your uh, work week woes <laughs> in the same way, but uh, that's pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's all good, man. Do do fun stuff like that while you can um, while and when you can. Um yeah, well, let's not, you know, waste any time talking about, you know, boring stuff. Let's uh, jump right in, man. What are we what are we watching? What are we reading? Yeah, so um, I only watched a couple things. Uh, the one I wanted to mention is uh, or the first one I wanted to mention is uh, I, I actually got a chance to watch uh, No Hard Feelings, um, that new Jennifer Lawrence movie. Drew, I know oh. you mentioned this one yeah. a couple weeks ago, but um, this movie I was really surprised. I think it's like a really solid comedy. Like I was cracking up and the story I thought was a lot better than what I expected. And uh, I don't know. I think this movie got so much hype because it's like it got a lot of hype because it's like Jennifer Lawrence's first big movie in a long time. And it was like a hard R rating. You know, it had like all these offensive jokes and whatnot. But you watch the movie and it was actually like really entertaining i think it was really good it was like kind of a you know it, it, i was gonna say a charming story but i don't know if that works right you but know, i think where the characters but it, ended but it, but it was going. a charming story right right where everybody ends up there is some charm to it even though there's some like questionable missteps along the way but no i i was just pleasantly surprised i thought this movie was great my only honestly my only 
gripe with it is I feel like they had this really solid movie and they weren't quite sure how and where to end it. Because I feel like by the time you get to the end of the film, it either ends too soon or it lingers on a little too much. And it's really hard to say which is which. <laughs> but it just has that weird... I The ending just didn't sit with me well from like a weird pacing perspective. And I don't know why that is but that's literally my only complaint with it you know what i mean well if you remember my complaint my only quibble i had was the pacing how did you feel about that i thought the i honestly thought the whole movie overall had pretty good pacing and i think it's it's probably because i thought the humor was pretty good like i thought tonally like the movie did a good job of like making you laugh at the jokes, but not, like, making you think about, like, they're trying to make me laugh. Like, if that makes oh. sense, like, a lot of comedy movies do that, where it's like, okay, that that joke was funny, but this, at the same time, you feel like the movie's trying too hard. And I think this movie did a pretty seamless way of delivering jokes, where you're actually going to crack up. Um, so I thought the pacing was pretty good, but it really was at the end where I was kind of like, maybe they could have ended that a scene sooner or put a different scene in there to end with, or maybe they needed something a little extra. I don't know what it was. Just the ending felt a little odd, you know? Okay. That's fair. Uh, yeah. But yeah, oh, other, otherwise I, I thought it was great. Um, the only other real thing I watched this week is uh, I watched Loki episode two. So I think I'm caught up on Loki unless there's a third one that just dropped. Um, and I don't know if you've watched Loki at all yet, Drew. I know I, I can't. I have not yet. Oh wow, okay. <laughs> and I feel and I feel like a bad comic book fan right now. <laughs> but I talked last week how I'm like suffering from the Marvel fatigue. And um and I don't know if it's Marvel fatigue or if it's just comic book fatigue in general, but it's like cuz sometimes you need a break from the capes. And I'm not sure what the disconnect is, but like the tickets for uh the Marvels uh just hit so we can go get our tickets for the movies and i'm kind of like okay <laughs> you know like all right it's there like i'm not like i don't feel i need to rush like there's no i don't feel the urgency um like i used to um and maybe it's maybe it's the superhero fatigue maybe it's the marvel fatigue maybe it's franchise fatigue then again it could be uh strike um issues where you're like, well, there's no rush because there's nothing like pumping out right after it, you know? Yeah. Um, where like before you were like scrambling to the theater. Oh, crap. I got to get my tickets because that's like next month. And then that's the next month after that. And that's the next like I, I got to, you know, I got to hurry up, you know. So there is that. <laughs> um, we, I'm not sure. Still in phase four of the MCU. Say that again. Are we still in phase four of the MCU right now? No, um, they, what I under, from what I understand, um, uh, the, uh, Guardians Holiday Special, I literally was drawing a blank there, uh, Guardians Holiday Special was the final piece of Phase 4. <laughs> and that's the thing, is, like, we're in Phase 5 and no one's really talking about it, so Secret Invasion, Loki, Marvels, like, it's not being discussed as, ooh, hey, we're in Phase 5, you know? I think I think you have phase one ends with the uh, first Avengers film and you have it was like this big crazy big team up crossover film. And then you have the film ends and you get a glimpse of uh, Thanos and it's like that's going to be the big bad for this Marvel universe. And there was so much 
momentum going into it. And uh, phase four was admittedly a weird phase. And I think that's fair to say. I'm not going to like point out things that I think it did wrong or right. right. I think it was just a weird phase because you have uh, Infinity War and Endgame, which was just this huge like sort of like, you know, ended phase three so well, like these two huge event movies and you go into phase four and yes, it's a rebuilding phase and uh, they have to rebuild that momentum. But I think going through phase four, everybody kind of just doesn't like still doesn't know where the MCU is going. And it's at the point where I didn't realize we were necessarily into phase five because <laughs> apparently the end of of phase four was the Guardians of the Galaxy Christmas special, which was really enjoyable. I thought that was a great uh, little watch, but compare that to like these big like event films, like it just seems like a weird place to bookend that phase. And uh, so I don't know if that builds into the Marvel fatigue because like they've released some really good projects. There's some moments that maybe could have been better, but I think people don't know what direction we're going in still. And it's kind of hard to build that hype when you don't know, like you don't have any glimpse of where you're going. Um, What's interesting about phase four is that I was talking to a friend about this, about how the average moviegoer. So one thing that Marvel did uh, very beautifully at the beginning was, is they taught the average moviegoer about continuity. And in a world where, like, if you're a comic book fan, you know that you read Spider-Man 1, Spider-Man 2, Spider-Man 3. Oh, wait, there's a crossover? I got to go read this Avengers comic. I go back to Spider-Man 4, 5, 6. Oh, wait, there's a crossover with Wolverine? Cool, I got to go read X-Men 1-0, whatever. And then I jump back over here. And you bounce around all over the place, right? And there's a certain order if you want the story to flow in a chronological sense. So with the movies, they taught the general movie-going audience who doesn't read comic books about continuity, which is crazy. It's what they did. It's awesome. What they need to do is when you have an event in a comic book, there's always some downtime as they build to the next event, always. So as comic book fans, we're sitting here going, yeah, we know exactly what they're doing. We're just along for the ride. (laughs) <laughs> where there's people not understanding and going, I'm not watching that crap anymore because I don't get it. It's stupid. It's not as good as Endgame. Well, we got to get back to that. We got to build back to that. Technically, if you think about it, we're back into the phase one stuff again because we have to build to what we're going to have. The problem is, is I feel like there's too many loose threads right now. Yeah. Um, Like way too many loose threads. They're introducing a lot of stuff that's not tying together the way everything else tied together. Um, and I think that's probably the biggest frustration with uh, the MCU right now is that there's too many strings. So, yeah. I I would agree with that. I think there's a lot of, like, too much too soon going on where you have Endgame happens and then right away you have, like, so many movies and so many shows that are coming out. And it is at a level where it is hard to keep up with all of the MCU shows and movies. And you're also in a phase where things are rebuilding. So the direction of, like, the next few phases hasn't necessarily been made clear. 
which is going to make it harder to build hype for these films. And it's just hard to keep up with that when like the hype's not building at the level it should be, I think. And then you're expecting everybody to keep up with all these shows and movies. And I think that's creating a lot of fatigues, fatigue in the fandom. And Drew, we've talked about this with Star Wars. Um, you've talked about how Harry Potter could have been smarter with the way they handled this. But I, I always wonder if Endgame happened and then the MCU took a break and not even a long break. I'm thinking like three to five years, like enough of a break to have people begging for more MCU movies. Okay. And then they dropped something that could have been really in retrospect. I think that could have been really uh, incredible. Like that could have been like a really cool cultural moment that they missed out on. Um, but I didn't want to go into like a huge <laughs> critique of the mcu but uh in context with loki which i can talk a little bit about episode two but i didn't know if you had more um any more comments on the mcu in general before i dive into that i don't so go ahead <laughs> um, all i'll really say since you're still behind on loki is i still think this series is really good um especially this season like i think Loki season two, like I'm two episodes in, but I'm enjoying it more, like a lot more than most of the other MCU shows, actually. And I don't really know what it is, but it just feels like it's tight storytelling. Like, I feel like they're not wasting time like uh, certain other MCU shows. I would feel like moved a little too slow and stuff And this show. I feel like it's not wasting any time. I feel like it's like tightly structured. Um the first episode of this season, I really do think was like super suspenseful, was really well done. Episode two, I think they do a really good job of just kind of keeping that level of uh, production up, I guess. Like, it's not as suspenseful as episode one, but it was still really good. And like, um, I never really got like, like season one, I don't know if I was like super into sylvie's story for example but i think like sure. what they're doing with her in this season is actually they're doing some pretty clever stuff and they're really making you care about the character i think in a way that they didn't do in season one and especially like making you uh relate to her with kind of where she ends up and what she has going on but i don't want again i don't want to go on too much because we're at the point where like I'm two episodes ahead of you, Andy, and I don't want to uh, <laughs> I don't want to spoil too much or anything like that. But uh, yeah, I don't know. We we can talk about other stuff <laughs> I, unless you have any questions about episode two. But I'm assuming you probably don't. <laughs> I don't just yet. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I uh, I unfortunately did not get the chance to really watch anything new this week. Is more of just keeping up with stuff like uh, like the morning show is you know, running right now, I've been keeping up with that. And that show, like, man, it's really cool. Like, the, just the story this season is awesome. Um, yeah. I'm really digging it. Um, the uh, the moves, they're, the chess game that's being played, it's like, it's like, because now where you're dealing, now they've added, like, obviously the work politics have always been there, but there's a, like, there's a company buyout right now. So there's, like, a lot of, like, behind-the-scenes stuff you're seeing in terms of, like, like, for example, the new the guy who's buying the company is like made a job offer to like one of the characters like to take the CEO position. And they're like, well, what about Corey? And he's like, well, when the deal's over, Corey's out and I want to offer you the job. Like, You know what I mean? You're just like, 
whoa, hold, you know, like those, like those kind of things. And they were, she was sitting down with her. Uh, and after that, she was sitting down with her uh, financial advisor about the contract. And they're like, yeah, it's 14 million a year. And I'm just like, oh my God, I can't even imagine. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Like, I can't even imagine, but it's just kind of cool to like watch this. It's just behind the scenes, like TV making and stuff. It's just that scripted drama that just gets you going. Like, it's, it's really fun. It's, it's no different than watching, um, like, did you ever watch, like, uh, I know you didn't watch Newsroom, but did you watch Ballers? No. <laughs> okay, because that was, like, behind, that, because that show was, like, I mean, that's a comedy, but that was, like, behind the scenes, like, football. Like, this is, like, behind the scenes TV, and it's, I just think it's really cool. I don't know. I'm having fun with it. But that's kind of the only thing I really watched this week, just because of the way my, uh, my um, schedule's been. It's just been kind of, like, keeping up with things. Yeah, uh, well, even... Even then, I've I've talked about this before, where there could be a week where you watch, you're watching like ten hours of television or you know different series you're watching, and then you come in and you feel empty-handed because you're just continuing a series that you've been watching. I know, but other weeks where you watch like two pilot episodes of like two different shows and you feel like you have so much to talk about, but you literally only watch two hours of TV. So that's the weird uh, conundrum with the watching and reading segment of our podcast, I guess. Yeah. Um, well, we can jump into the news if you'd like. Yeah, let's go for it. Okay. Um, first off, um, I don't know if you like some of the changes that Twitter has been making. I'm not a big fan of the new logo. Um, but there's something that kind of this, um, came from Twitter support, which I find is concerning if this moves on. I don't know what this means. I don't, this like, it's concerning enough to make me go hold the phone because I think it could cause, I think it could really cause people to not want to use the platform if something like this goes through. Um, they're doing a test. Like I said, this comes from Twitter support. Um, starting today, which, hold on a second, just to give you a, when did I grab this? So this is October 18th is when this dropped. So starting today as October 18th, we're testing a new program, not a bot, in New Zealand and the Philippines. New unverified accounts will be required to sign up for a $1 annual subscription to be able to post and interact with other posts within this test. Existing users are not affected. Uh, this new test was developed to bolster our already successful efforts to reduce spam manipulation of a platform and bot activity while balancing platform accessibility with a small fee amount. It is not profit, it's not a profit driver. And so far, subscription options have to be proven by the main solution works, blah, 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 blah. Anyway. It looks like, from what I was reading, it sounds like it's to weed out the bots because the bots can't sign up for a $1 subscription, but a person can, yeah. you know, and I think that's helpful. What I fear is Twitter going, hey, that worked really well. Let's implement it. And, oh, by the way, uh, we're charging everybody to be a Twitter user. You know, yeah. that's my that's my fear. Like, hey, you got to pay a subscription to be on Twitter. Like, that's going to go, that's going to make me go, well... See ya. <laughs> you know, like that just scares me a little bit. Like what? Um, I know it says existing users are not affected, but it just scares me that that could be a turnaround. So 
I think I think it's crazy, and I think it will deter like any new user. Like if I didn't have a uh, Twitter profile, I probably wouldn't pay. Even if it's one dollar a year, I still wouldn't pay it. You know what I mean? The weird thing, Twitter is such a. It's so annoying because it's such like it's a weird like necessary evil almost where it's like I don't necessarily want to be on Twitter, but at the same time. What happens on Twitter literally has ramifications across the entertainment industry, across uh, the political landscape. Like there are things that you see trending on Twitter and then you'll see it trending in your daily life like months later. And that's like what I enjoy about the platform is that like you're kind of getting in on a lot of stuff at the ground floor, if you will. But at the same time, that's what's annoying about it, because then you feel like you have to use it. And so it is a good question. Like if they charged everybody a dollar a year to use Twitter, would people stay there because it's where the action's at or would people leave? You know, and it's a really I don't really know how that would work. You know, like right. what would happen? Yeah, I don't really know how that would work. I don't know what would happen. I don't know. Like, would people be like, see ya? And that's it. I have no clue. I just found yeah. it kind of alarming and I wanted to bring it up um, in case people missed it because it's very easy for things to be seen on social media and then go, oh, shoot, I lost it. <laughs> you yeah, know? Um, especially when it comes to like Instagram reels and stuff like that. Like you're like, oh, I lost it. I'm not going to see that again. Um, so, yeah, I just wanted to point that out. Um, but let's talk about something that is making money, which is crazy. We don't talk about video game stuff very often but this was locked up in a lawsuit for a really really long time it was the microsoft purchasing activision um this made mainstream news we talked about it very very briefly a long long time ago when we started the process it's finally gone through 100 percent official microsoft has bought activision blizzard for 69 billion dollars um so that means Microsoft now owns certain games like Call of Duty, for example, that was not a exclusive game. So I know people, the big question is what's going to happen to the franchise now that Microsoft owns it. Um, but we'll all see how that plays out. It's just that's I wanted to just point out the fact that that's been officially that's officially a done deal, if you will. So crazy. Yeah, I know. Right. Yeah. <laughs> this is one of those stories we'll have more to say about it down the road yep. unless you yep. have any crazy speculations spe you know speculations but i honestly don't at this point you know very much so um all right netflix um in the realm of money grabs if you have a netflix premium plan you it will be raised soon uh um to 23 dollars per month yeah yep so yeah there we go the premium, <laughs> it went up $2, you know, and you throw in taxes and it's 23. So you're just like, well, there you go. Like we all, they, they mentioned it and it's like, didn't you guys just do a price hike? What's going on? Yeah. Uh, and when you're getting to the mid twenties for a streaming service, it's really hard to want to pay that bill monthly. Um, you know, but at the same time, I heard somebody talking about how they think that Netflix is trying to get people to go down to the uh, ad based level, which is like, I think, like six ninety nine per month or something like that, yeah. because you can watch their shows, but they'll just be ads in it. And the reason they want to do that is because then they're getting 
a payment okay. from the customer as well as payments from the people advertising. And I thought that was kind of an interesting conspiracy theory. <laughs> you know what I mean? You know what? And I wouldn't put it past them to do that because we all pay a lot of money to not watch commercials because nobody wants to watch commercials at all. <laughs> yeah. So, and if you do, I'm sorry, those Super Bowl commercials haven't been good for decades. So, um, yeah. How about that? Um, Netflix is also going back to brick and mortar. If you didn't hear about this, Netflix okay. is taking yet another old route in an attempt to gain new revenue sources. The streaming service recently removed its cheapest ad-free tier to push users toward an ad-supported tier for more expensive ad-free plan, right? And of course, you cannot share your login information with the masses anymore. There's also its online shop that sells items uh, tied to properties like Stranger Things and the occasional pop-up store. Now, Netflix will take a more permanent claim on the brick-and-mortar world with several retail destinations in 2025. They're now going to be opening Netflix retail stores. I think it is kind of cool. Well, what I think is interesting is they'll probably be selling merchandise like, you know, you, hey, I need a Stranger Things t-shirt. I can go to the Netflix yeah. store. Hey, you know what I mean? There's like, I, I need to, I need a Witcher backpack. Let's go to the Netflix store. I need a, a Witcher backpack. would be kind of cool. I, <laughs> right, right. Uh, and then you wonder, are they going to have a bunch of One Piece merch? Are they going to have Death Note merch? Are I they know. Gonna, like, I, need, I, need, I can get my Bridgerton uh, umbrella and big hat. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's all going to be at the Netflix store. <laughs> but it makes me wonder. I, mean, just, if, <laughs> I was trying to think of more, like, along, like, cool superhero stuff or <laughs> Well, the Bridgerton joke was right there. I had to take it. Um, no, but the, it makes me wonder if these brick and mortar stores will have Blu-ray sales for hard copies. Um, because I know we're getting so like I know we're getting the hard copies of like they're doing the re the Blu-ray releases of The Mandalorian and WandaVision and stuff like that, which to me, I should have those placeholders on my shelf, but I'm curious what the Blu-ray sales are going to be for those because I feel like so many people are moving away from purchase home purchasing home movies and you know stuff like that. So, yeah, yeah, like maybe they will have physical media, but like kind of more limited amounts. But some of the uh, hard copies of the Stranger Things seasons are pretty awesome. Like. Uh, they had like the uh, at least for season one, they had like it was like a Blu-ray set, but it looked like an old like 80s yeah, like yeah, VHS. VHS. So they could do some cool stuff. You know, how many Netflix series do you actually want to have a hard copy of? Stranger Things is probably one of them. Uh, one Piece. I already mentioned that, but people would probably buy that. Um, yeah, it's just kind have of you. You haven't checked that out yet, have you? I haven't watched it. I need I need to start it. I think that's going to be one of the things I jump into after I'm out of Halloween mode. <laughs> Just because gotcha. I've been trying to watch more spooky stuff lately. But And that's the thing, man. I feel like I'm letting Halloween down this year because I haven't watched anything spooky yet. But I will get there. Nice. Um, at any rate. Um, since we're on. All right. So let's shift gears to Disney Plus. Um, Disney Plus. Um, we talked about them doing, remember that rumor about, uh, the Gargoyles show coming back or whatever the case may be. Yeah. So a live action Gargoyles series is in the works at Disney plus. Yeah. Uh, 
which this this comes from Hollywood Reporter. So from a cartoon to live action, it really makes me wonder. And I've gone back and when I read this, I went back and looked at some of the artwork for some of the Gargoyles characters. And then thinking about would they do it practical? Would they do it CG? We know it would be a blend, but what would be the primary look of the characters? Would it go practical or would it go CG? Would these be guys with prosthetics on? Like, how would they handle this? Which makes me really curious. You, however, are more the Gargoyles fan than I am. So I was curious of your opinion. I think this is, uh, I mean, I think it's an awesome idea. Like, it's kind of, it's one of those things where it's like, why did it take you this long? Especially when we're in, like, the age of superhero movies and stuff. Like, this should have happened 10 years ago. But when I think of, like, uh, I haven't seen it yet, but the, uh, like, seeing the trailers for, like, movies like uh, The Last Voyage of the Demeter and stuff. Like, how creepy, like, the uh, vampire creature from that movie, like, the Dracula character looks. And then thinking of, like, the same level of CGI being applied to the classic gargoyle designs like that just sounds like it's just going to be delicious and just awesome to see on the screen. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, I don't know. I I think it is pretty promising. It's just kind of how are they going to do it? And I guess I, the reason I brought up uh, the last voyage of the Demeter is because I, from what I've seen, it looks like that's a full CG creature, but from what I've seen, it looks super realistic at the same time. So yeah. I think we're at a point where, they could do them full CGI, but then do you want them to bring in some practical effects? I don't know. It's a, it's a really good question, you know? Yeah. Um, I guess we'll see. Uh, James Wan's attached to it, and uh, I think he did a really nice job with the first Aquaman movie, so um, just because I haven't seen the second one yet. But you know what I mean? Like, I'm, I'm down, so let's check it out. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, Marvel. Author Joanna Robinson implies that the MCU will be rebooted with Secret Wars. She says we have a quote from Kevin Feige sort of implying that like Secret Wars will serve as a soft reboot in which they can prune everything. That's not to use a Lokiism prune everything that's not working and just keep what is or bring back people you thought were gone forever. Um. So Secret Wars, which is really far out from from here, because that's phase that's end of phase six is a reboot movie for the MCU right now. Um, that's kind of interesting instead of. And not like it needs a soft reboot now, but I think in the Marvel fatigue world. Everyone is begging for some Captain America or Iron Man or characters that they know. I think that's a huge thing where people want some familiarity in the sense that, like, look how well the Spider-Man movies perform. You know what I mean? How well the Captain America movies perform. If you were to come back like Captain America 4, you get that out there. It's going to make bank because people want to see those characters again. Yeah. You know, so. What do you think about Secret Wars being a reboot? Makes sense to me, but what do you think? Yeah, I think it's okay. I think it's okay for there to be sort of an end to this current uh, era of the MCU. But it's also like, is it going to be an end? Like, it kind of looks like it's going to be a soft reboot. And uh, my only, uh, the only thing I'm worried about is, is it going to be a confusing soft reboot? Kind of like what we're 
looking at at DC right now where we don't know, you know, what is James Gunn going to keep <laughs> from the previous movies? What is he going to reboot? And if they're like kind of picking and choosing between certain MCU characters are going to stay, certain ones aren't, I feel like it could be kind of confusing. With that being said, like you said, this is the end of phase six. Like we're essentially like almost two phases away from when this happens. And I mean, it's possible a lot of these actors aren't going to be around. Um, Not like, (laughs) like they'll still be alive. (laughs) I'm not saying that, but a lot of these actors aren't going to be like, they'll be out of their contracts and stuff and aren't going to be playing the same characters anyways. So it's probably going to be more of a reboot than uh, the current, James Gunn DC stuff going on. That's what I would think. Yeah. Um, well, um, we shall see. Um, but in the realm of Deadpool 3, um, I think it was last week that reports said that they were holding to the May the May release May 3rd release date in 2024, regardless of the situation of the strike. Um, well, Deadpool 3 director Sean Levy says that half of the film is shot and edited, but due to ongoing actor strike, the Merc with a Mouse third act, um, third outing could still miss its release date. And he's very concerned about making the movie work. Um, That came out, what, a few days ago, followed by what hit today. Deadpool 3 is delayed. (laughs) Um, Yeah. uh, the movie is moving off its May 2024 release date. Um, so that sucks, but I'm glad because I'm going to tell you this. I would rather them give me what they feel is a perfect product than cheat me out of getting what I was hoping for. Yeah. You know? um, like, I 100% agree. It's like video games. If you don't give me the finished product, I'm not getting, a you know, like give me the finished product. Don't give me like a half finished video game. You know, and I know we're in a world where, like, that's the case, but, you know, a lot of video games fin- uh, get released unfinished because they provide updates as people use it and they can see what's wrong with the game as users are using it. And then they can go, oh, we need to fix it. But by the time the game gets to the stage that it should be, some people have moved on because they didn't like what they were playing, <laughs> you know, and we don't want that to happen with our movies. So, yeah. Yeah, it's it's a. Uh... It's just tough because we all want to see Deadpool 3, and uh, I think we're going to be in a little bit of a uh, big motion picture drought uh, next year because of the strikes and stuff. And the idea of Deadpool 3 sticking to its original release date sounds just so, sounds so amazing, you know, like we all want that. But uh, I think I agree 100%, like give us the perfect product, Give make sure everything is how you want it to be in the movie before releasing it, you know, don't rush it because that's when everybody's going to be disappointed, you know? Yeah. Um, let's move over to DC. I have a quick DC story to for you. Um, a rumor, this comes from comic book resources. So take this for what it is. Um, it is labeled as a rumor and we know how internet goes. We're not hundred percent sure what's true and what's not um, until we get a little closer, but Thomas Elliott or hush is reportedly being considered as one of the villains for the Batman Part 2. Nice. Hush very quickly, very quickly, became such (laughs) an amazing villain for me, like one of my favorite villains. And um, 
I'm a big fan of this idea. He's a very he'd be a perfect villain to be added to Matt Reeves Batman um universe and I graciously say let's do this. It makes perfect sense to me. Let's get it done. Um I don't know how you what you think of the idea, but I love it. So I yeah, I agree with that with all that too. Like it makes more sense um well, I say it makes a lot of sense with the tone of his of his uh Batman universe. I said makes more sense because I know Clayface is supposed to be in this movie too, and that's the one that on paper I still don't know how they're gonna do it do that since uh Matt Reeves was going with such a realistic take on Batman. But uh yeah, no, this realistic is take and then you're like Clayface. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> like one of the last villains I thought you'd mention, but okay, let's see yeah, how it goes. I mean I mean for, for for sure, I would love to see Clayface on screen. Let's do it. Let's take it. Like let's let's see a live action Clayface. But at the same time, you're making it so earnest, like even almost more so than the Dark Knight trilogy was. And you're going with Clayface. OK, <laughs> you know, I, I almost like wonder if Clayface is going to be I don't know if I've mentioned this theory on our show yet, but I, I wonder if he's going to be like some sort of character who gets disfigured in like an accident or something. And then he's going to use a lot of prosthetics and like clay makeup and stuff to kind of be like a master of disguise sort of person or like, you know, sure. like how do we catch this villain where every time he appears in public, he looks like a different person, you know, his facial features change. Like, I think there's something realistic and interesting you could do like that. You know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. yeah. So, uh, yes. Well, I can't wait to see if Hush is really the villain, because I think that'd be that's amazing. Um, All right. Let's talk about some Top Gun news. Uh, Top Gun, the next generation, a TV series. Um, (laughs) TNG. Well, (laughs) TNG. Yeah, there you go. Um, Yeah. So this is not a scripted drama like I was thinking this was going to be. Because why not? I'm down for a Top Gun show, but you're not going to get on it. Even if you did like a scripted drama television show about Top Gun, you will not get the in the ship, in the aircraft photography that you got with Top Gun Maverick. You won't get it. Um, However, this makes me wonder if you might. So a Top Gun inspired reality series is coming to Nat Geo. I am not a Nat reality fan. But if they're going to do what I if they're going to do this, we could get some in um, aircraft photography like in the in the movie and some really cool uh, visuals coming from National Geographic. Top Gun, the next generation will follow a group of U.S. Navy student pilots as they train to become fighter pilots in the military's advanced flight training program. The production boasts unprecedented access to one of the Navy's most demanding training and selection programs. Um. The only thing that bothers me about this is I feel like I really do feel like we're on the brink of a possible World War Three. And I don't know if it's a good idea to be advertising our weapons tech on television. <laughs> that's, that's just me um, being serious and joking at the same time. I just don't think it's the wisest decision. So um, I I think there's a level where. If there really was anything that wasn't publicly known that came into the uh, Top Gun training and stuff that they're filming for the show, like they could 
they could do some clever edits. And I'm sure when you're working with the military, there's a lot of uh, administrative oversight as far as like what can be shown and what can't. Like I imagine those rules are super strict. Um, But at the same time, like it's also like something that like if the show is a hit, it also could you know, uh, reflect well on like military recruiting numbers and stuff like that. So maybe it is, maybe it's the perfect show to have when, uh, yeah, we're you know, the verge of war, um, not to get like political or at all or anything. So I'll move back into, I don't, is Tom, I'm assuming Tom Cruise is like a producer on the show. Um, he could be, I didn't see like when I was reading up on it, I didn't see it listed, but I also heard he was trying to be involved in a Top Gun show anyway, so this might be the thing, or if he's looking for like more of a scripted drama type thing, I don't know. It's uh, it's it'd be weird to me if he wasn't at least like an executive producer. Um, but I just feel like knowing Tom Cruise, like I feel like this is something like Top Gun Maverick did so well. So they're like, you know, you have the studio, like we got to do a show. And I again, I this is speculation. I don't know if this is what happened, but I could see Tom Cruise being like, well, yeah, we do got to do a show. But if we do like a scripted drama, it's going to have bad special effects. It's not going to capture the magic of this movie. And so the only way to do it is to show the actual thing. And I could see him like just having the uh, foresight to know like this. If we're going to do this, we're going to do this right. Kind of like what he's done on, you know, kind of like what he did on Top Gun Maverick. It's just like if we're going to this we're gonna do it right so again that's speculation i don't know if that's true or not but it's just i could see it happening yeah um i'm with you and that makes complete sense um so we'll see um i will say that if net geo is picking this up that means you'll you'll it'll hit disney plus um so uh you'll see it there too, which, which could be really cool. Just to like, where do I find this thing? Uh, so don't forget the net G all the net geo stuff is on Disney plus. So it'll probably hit there. I mean, that's a good place to find it. All right. Do you remember that there's an alien movie coming? I feel like there always is. <laughs> well, no, yeah. we talked about this a while ago. Remember they have that alien movie that's going to be released just for Hulu. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's the Freddy Alvarez upcoming alien movie. Um, it features a new cast of young characters who find themselves on a distant world, has received an enthusiastic seal of approval from Ridley Scott, who says he's seen the movie and he says it's effing great. That's the quote. Uh, nice. Which is awesome, which makes me really excited because. I, we need more xenomorphs in our life, man. Like I, I love that franchise, and I can't wait to be scared from by the aliens once more. I really can't. <laughs> um, but yeah, I absolutely love those movies, so I look forward to whatever and whenever we're gonna get that. Um, and I got one more story, and then we can move on to tonight's list. You know how you turn on Disney Plus every now and then, and you'll see Frozen sing along edition. Or Hamilton Sing Along Edition, or Moana Sing Along Edition, and they'll have like, and when you watch the movie, they will have the lyrics to the songs on the bottom of the screen, like subtitled. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Monty Python and the Holy Grail will be returning to theaters with a special quote along cut. Um, I'm not a hundred percent sure what that means, but um. 
Forget busting here. Let me read this for you. Forget busting out your uh, best silly walk. Don't bother race racing a double decker bus either. It's time for Monty Python fans to grab some coconuts and hit the road because later this year they'll be heading out on a famous quest again. The legendary uh, sketch comedy group um, group's beloved 1975 film Monty Python and the Holy Grail is returning to movie theaters. It's coming back to the big screen for two days to celebrate. The exact kind of absurd occasion you'd expect them to commemorate the movie's 48th and a half anniversary. Uh, <laughs> and it's going to have the quote along and it's going to be a quote along edition, which is hilarious because I don't know who watches that movie without trying to quote along with the movie and laugh at it as you go. Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> but it's the 48th and a half anniversary, which is fantastic. So... <laughs> Yeah, it's 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 weird. Um, I like you're like you're you're just like I don't know what to say. <laughs> yeah, it's I mean uh, the sing along aspect I thought would be pretty funny. Like it, you know you want to watch the movie and sing along to spam a lot, but it is weird that like anybody who's going to see this I feel like is already a huge Monty Python and the Holy Grail fan and probably already knows like ninety <laughs> percent of the movie like the back of their hand. So. It is weird, but it's also like it'd be cool to just go to it and just see, you know, Monty Python and the Holy Grail on the big screen. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right. Well, that brings us to the end of the news, man. Um, I don't know if you're going to go see Monty Python in the theater. I've never seen it in the theater, but I've seen it a thousand times probably. <laughs> so yeah. um, maybe I'll go. Maybe I won't. I'm not sure yet. Um, cause I haven't seen dates for when it's coming out yet. I just, you know, um, all right. You ready to talk about tonight's list? Yeah, let's go for it. Cool. All right. We're going to roll the thing and we'll be right back. And now for the top five. All right, Peter, this was my pick this week. Um, this list, so we're talking about movies from 2015. So to give you an idea, this list has been in my back pocket since the inception of our show five years ago. Um, I had every intention of doing this list like right away. And then we just kept like coming up with other cool lists and stuff. And I'm like, no, we just did a year. I got to save it. And <laughs> no, we got no, we get, whatever. I got to save it. And I just, it keeps getting and getting pushed down. But it was one of those ones that I wrote down like right away. Um, this list, this specific year was massive. There was so much stuff that came out of this year. Um, and I just thought it was, uh, I thought it was a really cool, uh, year to discuss. Um, there's a reason I wanted to discuss it right away. We'll get to that later. Um, but, I found it kind of difficult to put this together. Um, what did you think? Yeah, uh, this was a this was a cool year. Um, I think it was a year that was uh, related to you know frequent subjects we talk about on our podcast. It was like at the height of um, superhero movie fandom. It was kind of at the height of uh, Star Wars fandom in that uh, <laughs> kind of what was going on with the sequel trilogy at that time. And I'm trying not to or I'm trying to bury the lead a little bit there but uh sure there's just a lot of good movies and this was one where it was kind of hard to um narrow down a little bit but uh yeah yeah there's just some really good stuff this year yeah 
So that being said, um, I saw 62 of the movies in 2015. Um, and I, uh, I had a count. I, I saw 42, I guess. 42. Okay. <laughs> All right. And then um, the best picture this year was Spotlight. Um, since I always mention those movies, but like I always bring up who the best picture was in my count. So that's that's the year of 2015. And there's a ton of stuff to discuss. So. Uh, this was my pick, so that means you got to go first. But I do have two honorable mentions. I don't know about you. Yeah, I do as well. So okay. uh, perfect. So what's your first honorable mention, man? Yeah, the first one I went with is uh, Scout's Guide to the Gam- to the Zombie Apocalypse. Um, <laughs> have you seen <laughs> this at all, Drew? <laughs> yes. Okay, nice. So this this movie is kind of really fun because it's kind of your typical zombie apocalypse movie you know it's about a group of like high school kids who are kind of still in i don't know if they actually call it boy scouts i think they just kind of call it scouts it's almost like a generic parody of boy scouts uh is is what they're in but you basically here's the thing is i actually was a scout back a boy scout back in the day and uh Whenever you see Boy Scouts depicted on TV or movies, they always get so many things wrong. They get the ranks wrong. They get the uniforms wrong. They get just how Boy Scouts actually is wrong most of the time. And this movie, I think it did have a lot of inaccuracies like that. But what the movie nailed is the banter. They nailed, like, the type of relationships you have in Scouts and how you have, like, a group of kids and there's always like the one that's like the troublemaker. There's always the one who's kind of like, uh, you know, always trying to uh, go hit on girls and stuff the whole time. There's always the one who's kind of like more straight laced. Um, and I think the, the movie really nailed like a lot of that dynamic that you would experience in Boy Scouts. But they also got like some of the nuances with it where, where you know, there's the more like troublemaker sort of guy who uh is kind of more or less like trying to quit scouts but then as you watch the movie you actually realize that he like secretly still really likes being a boy scout and stuff but it's just not cool so there's a lot of the nuances of it that i think the the movie nailed and uh this movie is really funny because it has a very raunchy teen comedy aspect to it which isn't what you would necessarily expect from a movie about that's basically about boy scouts versus zombies (laughs) but there's like tons of crude language there's gratuitous nudity it's really funny and i think it's like a really good mix between zombie film and uh sort of that raunchy teen comedy sort of thing so this one was just a really fun film uh it's not gonna win any it you know it didn't win any awards but it was just a really fun time i thought so yeah i had a lot of fun with it too um it was it was definitely one of those uh it it was a really fun watch yeah Uh, and it's when you you know what's funny is i don't know if i would have watched the movie and if it, if it was titled anything different, you know what I mean? Like the title alone, like sold the movie for me. <laughs> like Absolutely. It's, it's the scouts guide to the zombie apocalypse. That's yes. <laughs> and what, you what's know? funny about this movie is I kind of forgot about it until I was putting my list together and I was like, Oh yeah, I remember that movie. That was great. So yeah. Um, all right. Uh, my first honorable mention is the movie called The Walk. Do you know what this movie's about? 
Oh, is this the uh, tightrope one? This is the tightrope walk between the World Trade Center's Twin Towers in New York in the 70s. Um, Joseph Gordon-Levitt plays the lead, um, and he is going to tightrope walk between the towers. And what's interesting about it, first off, it's, it's directed by Robert Zemeckis, who knows how to direct action and um, intense things. And the movie is almost a comedy that is a heist film. Like they shoot it like a heist film because he's basically got to sneak into the tower to do this. He's got to like, you know, he's got it. It's, it covers all the training, the passion of the passion of the sport. And I'm going to do this and so on and so on. And then it's becomes a heist film in terms of breaking into the twin towers, getting up to the roof, setting up the cables and doing the walk. And when you get to the actual walk part, it's incredible because of, one, how they shot it. But it is like breathtaking views in New York and dizzying heights. It is one that you need to see on the biggest screen you can possibly see. Um, but it, it's a, for those of us who lived through 9-11, it is incredibly like awe-inspiring to watch that movie because we know what the world looked like prior to those towers getting destroyed and what it looks like now. And in a weird way, without being political, without saying it, there's this really subtle social commentary about the majestic view of the city because of those towers. It's really interesting. Like there's this line... There's a line where, like, this one character, he's like, I don't know why, like, these things are stupid. They look like giant filing cabinets in the middle of the city. No one likes them. They're ugly as hell, blah, blah, blah. At the end of the movie, when it's all over and, like, the the hype, the newspapers, all that stuff, there's a line where they say, because um, the whole thing took place in the 70s, right? There's a line in the script where the guy says, because of you, people love those things now. Wow. It, and it's that moment and they're standing on the street. They're like, literally, it's like after like he's been arrested and let go and all that stuff. And he's basically having some drinks with some friends at a bar and they leave the bar and they look down the street and you can see the towers in the distance and they reveal that line. And you're left with that. Huh? <laughs> you know what I mean? And just because I lived through that event, it just it just sat with me differently. Anyway, the movie's heartwarming and charming and wonderful. And I just, you know, in all seriousness, check it out. It is definitely a good watch. It's a lot of fun. Uh, like I said, it's a funny movie, but it's also like a serious movie and they did it like a heist film. It's, it's cool. Nice. Um, I actually, uh, I haven't seen this one. I have no idea why I haven't seen this one, <laughs> but I haven't, but, uh, sounds awesome. And I like, um, I like what you said about that whole thing about like people, learning to appreciate the two towers because of the stunt because it sounds like it's kind of like a weird almost emotional thing where like you wouldn't necessarily <laughs> think you're gonna watch a movie and then you'd be jerking tears because of you know something said about a building but I think like a really well done movie can bring out that sort of emotional response um sure. and then the other thing is uh for me um not to go on a huge tangent, but I remember seeing uh, Peter Jackson's uh, King Kong on a big on, on the big screen, and uh, some of those New York scenes when uh, King Kong's on top of the building and like fighting off the uh, 
the planes and stuff, some of those shots were so suspenseful because like the way that the city was shot and you just felt like, you know, King Kong's leaping into the air and he looks like he's going to plummet just like, you know, thousands of feet at any second. And I kind of want to watch uh, this movie because like I want to appreciate it from like what you're saying, that cinematography level of like putting you in the suspense when he's actually doing the tightrope walk. Like I, I kind of want to watch that from like a technical cinematography standpoint, you know, and what you're I mean? in the suspense throughout in general. Um, yeah. Anytime they do the tightrope stuff, whether it be on the towers or anything else, like you're in the suspense, but man, I'll tell you when they're actually like on the top of the towers doing the walk and everything, it is like there's some there's some camera angles like, and some sweeping shots that you're just like holy cow is it one of those things so, where like the whole theater is quiet and just like nobody wants to take too deep of a breath and like disturb right. the yeah. sound very know? much so yeah that's awesome very much so um but yeah all right uh next honorable mention yeah uh for the next one i went with the movie the gift um have you seen this uh, one drew uh no and I okay. say uh, no, because um, this is not the first movie titled The Gift. So when I saw it on the list, I go, this isn't the year that came out. And then I'm like, oh, different The Gift. So <laughs> it's not the most unique title. Um, if you watch the movie, it's actually pretty clever because it has a lot. It's a movie where the title has multiple meanings and kind of like in a really tragic way when you watch it. But this is a movie that's uh, starring Jason Bateman and uh, there's a couple other actors. Um, oh, I'm just on the IMDb page. So Joel Ed Ed Edgerton is like probably the other guy that people would recognize. Um, okay. But I mostly just knew Jason Bateman when I saw this movie. And it's basically about how him and his wife, end up uh, switching locations for like work or something. They end up moving and uh, he runs into somebody he used to know from high school or grade school or something. And uh, that person becomes a friendly acquaintance. And uh, from there, the movie kind of goes down a lot of your typical um, psychological thriller sort of tropes where, you know, he meets this old friend, but then it starts to seem like that friend has malicious intentions and stuff and uh, the movie goes a lot of crazy places I don't want to say too much because this is definitely a movie that you can spoil but I think for a movie that uh and it could have been just that I saw this in theaters and it could have been just who I saw the movie with but I had like such a fun time watching this movie from that sort of thriller angle from that sort of like this is just super suspenseful, like really twisted stuff. And that's that's why I love this movie was it just kept you on the edge of your seat. Um, this one kind of like my other honorable mention. This isn't the greatest movie in the world. I don't know if it won any awards, but it was just such a fun watch. And if you're just in the mood for a good thriller um, with kind of some cool mysterious bits and twists in it, I think this one definitely delivers in that way. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, this, yeah, I really, I was kind of looking it up while you were talking and yeah, I kind of want to see this movie. I completely, this is one that slipped past me, unfortunately. So, um, yeah. Okay. Um, 
Did you have anything else to add to it? Because I just because I haven't seen the movie, you know. No, there's more I could say. It's just uh, I don't want to. It's like so easy to spoil things, <laughs> you know. I just don't want to say too much for this one. Sure, I got gotcha. you. Um, all right. Uh, so my final honorable mention is a movie called. I talked about it a few like I don't know a month month and a half ago. It's a movie called She's Funny That Way. Um, it's. I don't want to say it's a rom com. It's. This is a really, really smart movie. It knows what it is. It's written so intelligently. It's one of those movies that is almost like someone was trying to write a stage play, but decided to make it a movie instead. The way the characters are interlinked and intertwined, the way the story ebbs and flows. Um, and it's basically um, it's Owen Wilson and Imogen Poots and uh, Catherine Hahn, I believe. Yeah, Catherine Hahn's in the movie. Um and it's like it's Owen Wilson is a theater director who he has spends a night with a prostitute and he offers her like ten thousand dollars to like give up her life and just pursue her dreams at the end of the night. And she's like, yeah, OK. And she like does it like she just thinks it's weird, but she's like, all right, I'll do it. So she like literally like gives up that life, pursues her dream to be an actress, and then she ends up auditioning for a sh- play that he's running by mistake, doesn't realize it. And then this whole like comedy of errors ensues in terms of like trying to hide the secret, what happened to him and all that stuff. And it's it's hilarious. The movie's absolutely fantastic and so well put together. Um, and it kind of was a surprise movie. Like, I didn't expect, I'm like, yeah, okay, I'll watch this. And then I'm like, this, and I'm literally, like, partway through, I'm like, maybe a third of the way through the movie, I'm like, this is amazing. Like, <laughs> and I was having so much fun with it. So, yes, if you, um, if you get a chance, yeah. Um, I remember talking about this movie on the podcast. Like, you reviewed it before, and uh, I'm going to be honest, I remember when this movie came out, and I, I didn't love the title, <laughs> So I kind of wrote this one off and then hearing your description of the movie made me want to watch it. I was like, oh, that actually sounds a lot more clever than I was led to believe before. So it sounds really cool. I just haven't had the chance to watch it yet. Yeah. Anyway, um, what's your first actual pick? Yeah, my first actual pick is a movie that uh, I feel like we've talked about quite a bit. But I mentioned that 2015, I do feel like this was kind of like during like peak superhero movie fandom uh the next movie i went with is avengers age of ultron uh this was a huge blockbuster movie this was like one of those really fun summer films to uh see with like a big group of friends and stuff and this was just kind of like another continuation of the mcu but it was kind of like the first time seeing the avengers coming back at as, as a team and uh i just remember leading up to this movie in all of the TV spots, you would get that awesome um, that awesome shot from the first fight se- sequence where you have all of the Avengers jumping through the air. <laughs> like that sort of like profile shot where you have all of them like jumping through the air, leaping into action. And uh, it was it was really great. Um, I think this movie, the best part of it for me was um, just Ultron, like Ultron's presence and uh his performance, I, I'm, I'm blanking on the actor's name, which is, uh, which is horrible. Uh, James Spader, right? James Spader's performance was like, like awesome. yeah. yeah, yeah. And, uh, just his vocal delivery and that character's presence on screen was just, 
Ultron, I think, is kind of an under, underrated Marvel villain when you think about it. Like, nobody goes back and points to Ultron a lot, but, like, he actually is, like, a great um, villain in the MCU. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'm, I'm not, I, I'm not also fully convinced just, that Ultron's dead either. He needs to come back. <laughs> good, good point, good point. Um, but, yeah, I, I think, like, uh, also just the concept be behind uh, Ultron when you get into the whole, like, AI sort of stuff like artificial intelligence based villain and stuff. I thought some of those concepts were great too. So I think we've talked about this movie before, so I don't want to go on and on too much. Um, I don't know if you have any thoughts on this one, Drew, but um, I feel like this movie came out and so remember I've talked about how the first Avengers movie, I did not find to be the greatest thing on the face of the planet the way everybody else did. But when I saw this movie, I was like, this is exactly what I wanted from an Avengers film. And everyone whined and moaned about how they didn't like this Avengers film. <laughs> so I'm in the camp that I liked this one better than the first one. Um, this movie's great. Uh, James Spader playing, you could not have cast Ultron better. I really don't think you could. Like, literally the best voice choice. Um, for that character and he's such an amazing villain in general and i really want ultron back because i'm not fully convinced that he's completely gone he's out there somewhere dormant uh just waiting for his chance um but no i this avengers film is wonderful so yeah absolutely absolutely um anything else dad unfortunately we did not match on this by the way so yeah, I, I was going to just add some joke that that's how all all AI is just waiting out there, dormant, waiting to be rediscovered. But uh, no, yeah, nothing really, nothing really else to say on this one. So, yeah. Um, all right. Uh, my first actual pick of the night is Mad Max Fury Road. Um, Good call. Have you seen this? Yeah, yeah, this was this was super fun. Okay. This movie. Um. This is the movie that I think surprised everybody. I remember I always have I always end up having like small little parties for the Oscars and I have people over and it's it's like my Super Bowl. Like, you know, I know people don't like the Oscars, but I just like movies and I'm going to watch it every year. And, you know, I just was like, let's just start having people over. And it's been a lot of fun. Uh, Mad Max Fury Road. I was like one of like two people at the party that year who had seen the movie and everyone else in the room was like, I don't even know what this is. <laughs> <laughs> and Mad Max was nominated for like 15 awards, including Best Picture. It won everything but Best Picture. <laughs> I forgot about that. I forgot it that just, this one like swept the Oscars. It literally swept. It just kept winning after winning after winning. It was crazy. And I'm like, it's going to be Mad Max again. And I was all excited. I'm like, dude, it's going all the way. It's going to be amazing. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was so excited for it. Um, but yeah, no, Mad Max Fury Road. And it's just it's a sequel to the Mad Max series, the Mel Gibson Mad Max series for sure. But this is this is literally a group of people went out into the desert with no adult supervision and shot a movie with with amazing practical effects and car chases and explosions. Yeah. And it just there was and it was shot brilliantly on such an artistic level and the cinematography was top notch. The acting was pretty, the acting was pretty good. No one was nominated for like, uh, I think, I think Charlize Theron was nominated for a supporting actress, but it was like, um, 
it the, the whole movie was a complete surprise visual effects makeup and hairstyling you know like everything this movie was nominated for and it just won everything on top of it so um yeah mad max Fury road i don't know if you have anything to add to it i just thought the movie was such a fun time um it's you actually don't even need to see the other um mad max films to follow along you couldn't just follow along you know <laughs> right it's kind of hard to know uh what to add to this one um i was actually kind of late to the party when i saw this so i do think it's a great film i think for me it was like maybe a little overhyped just because i had been hearing the hype for the movie for so long by the time i actually watched it but it is a really well-made film and i do like that you pointed out the practical effects aspect of it because this is like a newer movie but it really kept true to the classic Mad Max films in the fact that it had like a lot of those practical effects um you know it had that awesome post-apocalyptic aesthetic it had it had stuff like you know a dude strapped to the front of this giant like tank truck thing you know playing electric guitar and it's like why is that dude strapped to that vehicle playing electric guitar it doesn't matter this is an 80s franchise like they're gonna do just weird stuff like that because it's cool and it's jarring and you're gonna remember it and uh it's just a really good suspenseful film like when it comes down to it like the film's really like kind of just one giant chase scene, but it's done in such a smart, cool way that it just works, you know, like on paper, it shouldn't work, but it does. Um, so this, this movie's awesome and, uh, and good call with this one, you know? Yeah. All right, man. What's your next pick? Yeah. So, uh, the next one I went with is, uh, the night before the, um, I guess it's considered a Christmas movie starring like, Joseph Gordon, Gordon Levitt, uh, Seth Rogen, uh, Anthony, Anthony Mackie, as well as like I'm, a lot of other people. I'm honestly surprised. I saw this movie. I thought it was a lot of fun, but I'm surprised this made like your favorite <laughs> poll for the year. Like, no offense to your pick, just I'm kind of surprised. I kind of am as well, which is weird. But yeah, I was kind of the same way. Like, I saw this movie and it's kind of a really fun movie. Like, it's kind of like... You have your, like, it's not like a teen comedy, but it's that sort of, like, adult-level comedy, like, similar to, like, The Hangover or something, like, that age group. And it's kind of just about, like, a bunch of dudes who go out on, uh, I think it's Christmas Eve, and they kind of, they all have, like, their different uh, exploits they're trying to achieve through the night. But it's kind of just this zany, ridiculous comedy uh, the weird thing about this movie is, like, I saw it, and I thought it was funny and good, but it's kind of became a Christmas mainstay for me. Like, every Christmas season, I've found an excuse to rewatch this movie. And so, like, Why? this movie, when I think... we talk Christmas movies, this never comes up. Why am I just now hearing about this? <laughs> I think I might have mentioned it. I think right. I might have mentioned it. I mean, it's been a long time since... Like, we did our favorite Christmas movies, like, the first year of the podcast, but I feel like I might have mentioned this one. I, I'm not really sure off the top of my head, but, uh... All right, we'll I, going. Me, it's just The rewatchability of this one, I think, is surprisingly up there, where it just, like, had to make my list. I think looking at all the movies that, that came out in 2015, there was a lot of movies where I'm like, oh, that movie's great but I don't like that aspect of it or that one's great, but there's something about it that I don't like. And the night before, again, not the greatest movie ever, but it's like, 
I think it's really solid for what it's trying to do in a way. And I like that it has that festive holiday spirit, but also that like hangover level, like ridiculous raunchy comedy aspect where it's like, it's always something to look forward to around Christmas. So I agree, Drew. I was kind of surprised this made my final list, but uh, it did. So there you, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> like I said, no judgment, but all right, man. Um, all right. So my number four is uh, The Martian. Um, I assume you saw The Martian. I feel like we all did. I never saw this one. <laughs> really? Dude. <laughs> I don't know why. It's horrible. I haven't seen it. I think just the hype was so good. It like drove me away. <laughs> I don't, like I, I it's I have such a problem with being contrarian sometimes, but I just never saw this because the whole world was telling me I had to see it. And that was enough to drive me away. And I really need, I know I need to watch this one. So. All right. Well, <laughs> in the world of in the world of telling you again that you uh, uh, need to. um see this movie dude you need to see this movie (laughs) it's absolutely incredible man it's i mean yes matt damon stuck on mars like that's ultimately the plot of the movie but it's it's a really well constructed put together movie i mean yes it's based off the book the martian and from what i understand they adapt it pretty well um but um it was it's a lot of fun but it's it i kind of likened it to um Think about like Apollo 13, except it's one guy stuck there and have the juxtaposition of him on Mars and how he's like doing what he can to survive and watching him science his way through it. And then everything going on on Earth and how do we get him home? And then the ship. So like at the beginning of the movie, there was a uh, a solar. I don't know if it was a solar storm or if it was like the. I don't remember. It was some kind of a storm that was blowing across, like a sandstorm kind of thing. And because of the severity of it, they were like, we're evacuating. We got to go. And Matt Damon gets left behind. So his crew gets on the ship and they take off. So they have this return trip to Earth. And um, they, uh, you know, it's a return trip to Earth. So, like, they're on their way home from Earth. Earth's trying to figure out how to get him off. But because they can't just necessarily turn around. Um, yeah. So the the way you would think that they could, because it's like it's normal space travel, not like science fiction space travel. So, you know. Um, but yeah. So that being said, it's it's a really like interesting, harrowing like story. It's fantastic. Um, I just think that you really need to see it. <laughs> I'm I, need, I, need to, I need to watch this. Um, one of my favorite things that like any sort of entertainment media can do is when they put characters in a situation and you're just sitting there like, I can't figure out how they're going to get out of this. And then you're just like on the edge of your seat, you have to watch to figure it out. And it sounds like this movie is, that's like the entire premise. So it sounds super interesting. So I definitely need to check this out. I don't know what it was when this came out. I think it was just the hype. It was so hyped that I just chose to avoid it. And uh, it sounds really silly, but uh sometimes you do that you know (laughs) yeah um all right man uh what's your number three for the night i guess (laughs) yeah so my number three was another movie that the whole world was telling me to see 
but I was telling myself I had to see it really bad too. And that is, uh, I went with star Wars episode seven, the force awakens. So star Wars came back in 2015 and, uh, no matter what your feelings on how the sequel trilogy played out when this movie came out, it was such a fun experience and everybody was so hyped about force awakens coming back. Um, I remember I worked retail when this came back and I remember just like force Friday was like a huge thing, like building hype for this movie. And uh, I just remember the theaters being packed and it was just like a cultural I think everybody was like running on a cultural high when this happened. Like it was so cool. And the force awakens, I feel like as a movie, I think it's a really good movie. I think as the beginning of a trilogy, I think it set up certain aspects in a way that it was going to be hard to follow that up with like certain things. Like, uh, for example, like, making Luke kind of uh, go into uh, exile, like Luke's gone, like the entire movie. I think that was something that was going to be really hard for Ryan Johnson to follow up with in the next movie, because like a lot of people didn't necessarily agree with that. And how is he going to justify it? And uh, there's other aspects of this movie that I think weren't set up completely, maybe not well thought out enough. And that might be the reason for like some of the more divisive things that happen later on but i think if you look at this movie as a whole just this movie individually i do think it is it was a really fun movie i think it was a really good entry into the star wars universe and just the hype and experience about it like this isn't even my favorite movie in the sequel trilogy but this is one of my favorite ones when it comes to just the theater experience because the whole world was just hyped about this movie when it came out. You know what I mean? Um, Drew, I don't know what your thoughts are. Like, I know we've talked about this a lot before, but do you have any specific thoughts about this movie? Like when, you know, regarding like when it came out or any specific points you want to point out about this one or anything? So let's say that I look, I am a very outspoken Star Wars fan. I absolutely love Star Wars. Sometimes I feel like I'm a Star Wars apologist um, when I'm trying to defend the franchise and, you know, uh, argue with the trolls and, you know, the toxic fans out there. But let's take all that aside. Let's get rid of that part. Let's take away the toxic fan. Let's take away the trolls. Let's take away the fact that I'm a Star Wars apologist. Let's look at the fact that this was going to bring people to the theaters in a way that people haven't been brought to the theaters in a very long time. You hadn't seen this on a scale. This was a this this movie was 30 years in the way in the making. This was the I had a I had to explain it to someone who was like, I just don't understand. It was a I don't understand the hype and expectations of this movie. And I compared <laughs> it to, and I compa- and I compared it to Harry Potter in the sense that. Um, it was the you a Harry Potter fan? Yes, I am. Okay, now imagine 30 years after the final Harry Potter movie, they get Daniel Radcliffe to come back and play Harry Potter again. And they're like, oh, I get it. And I go, that's exactly what's happening right now. And on a cultural standpoint, it doesn't matter what you thought of the movie. It really doesn't. Star Wars was back. And Star Wars was back in a big, bad way, in a way we dreamed it would be, we wanted it to be, we had high expectations for the next movie. I There was... There was the the complaining about episode seven was very minimal in comparison to um, the stuff later on. People had 
People were like, it was a great movie. I had so much fun. I had people coming up to me who were like, I don't like Star Wars, but that movie was amazing. Like, you know, it was those kind of conversations. You're like, this is the best. This is the best time to be a Star Wars fan. Regardless of where things went after this movie, in terms of how the, you know, the internet and toxic fandom has gone, this movie brought us back to the theater for Star Wars, for this thing that we love. And, you know, I was getting to see Star Wars on the big screen again, where I thought I was never going to get to see it on the big screen ever again. I thought it was done, you know. So here we are. We're getting to go back in. And the title roles, like literally you see a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away on the screen. And I welled up, man. It was incredibly emotional. And it was an emotion. It was this emotional experience that I was not ready for. Um, and you know, you want to see a grown man cry, go see star Wars episode seven opening day, man. That like the amount of people that probably were in the same boat as me. Um, it was something I just wasn't expecting. I was like, Holy crap. Like that hit me real hard. I'm like, get the wipe the eyes so I can read the opening crawl. Um, the movie was incredible. I had so much fun watching it. And my, my, my excitement for what was coming was through the roof. And, you know, Regardless of how things played out, it was I just loved it all the way. So that's really all I got to say about Force Awakens. So (laughs) Um, we could be on we could be on it all night if I don't stop. So I'm going to stop myself and just say that's how it was for me. So, yeah, I I just still think it's uh, just because I I laughed so much when he brought it up. I just wanted to comment like it's you always forget that there's still people out there who either haven't seen star Wars or just don't pay attention to it. And like you saying, like you knew somebody who didn't understand the hype just like caught me off guard. Cause I'm like, <laughs> like I can see that for certain movie franchises, but it's just like for star Wars, that just sounded so like funny. Like I've never heard anybody say that, you know? Yeah, but, I know. Yeah, I hear you. So, yeah, Star Wars Force Awakens, fantastic movie, good pick. And I I know that I was going to make, I know it was going to be talked about tonight. So, um, And it was a huge thing in the sense that that was the year. This was the Disney was buying uh, Lucasfilm. We're getting Star Wars. Here we go. You know, like, here it was. Um, all right, so my next pick for the night is the movie Inside Out. Um, did you see this? Oh. What do you think? Yeah, yeah, this is this is a good one. Uh, Dude, this movie was so wonderful in so many ways. I was like in tears within the first 30 seconds of the movie. Um, and I completely understand why. Maybe it's because I'm a parent. Maybe that's part of why I was crying. But it's just like I I that first opening shot of the movie, you're like, I've been there. I know what that feels like. That's amazing. Like, and you're just like, oh, my God, I'm crying already. Thanks, Pixar. <laughs> but the movie was so smart in explaining emotions. Yeah. How emotions work and how we function and how we deal with joy and sadness and laughter and anger and fear and dealing with depression. And like, there was a super cut of the movie where there is a cut of the film that someone re-edited and posted online where they took out the emotion part like the the emotion characters like sadness and joy and fear and all that right they and anger they took those out and they just showed the girl and it was just the scenes with the little girl 
And it was all literally it was a movie about a girl going through the stages of depression. And yeah. it, it was a re- it was it's hard to watch, but it's incredible just to see that that's ultimately what they were trying to do. And yeah. then you throw in all the stuff because they need to teach the lesson. They have to tell us a story where they're like giving us the moral. They're giving us the moral choices. They're giving us the moral dilemmas. They're making us they're teaching us. And it, it's an incredible, incredible movie. It's so smart. It's so well put together. So well formulated. It hits you all in the right places. It's it shows you how to give things up. It shows you how to make sacrifices. It shows you. It, it's just an incredible movie and it was and it's definitely one of the best of the year and i really think it should have gotten I, I really think it should be talked about more i feel like it's a forgotten film right now i just don't, it doesn't come up in conversation the way like when you talk about disney's history and you talk about pixar it's always the same movies this one very rarely gets brought up and i think this one needs to be a little bit more to the front of the line you know but that's me yeah, that's. I think this one just hasn't. Um, maybe it just hasn't had that enough time to uh, ruminate with everybody. You know, like everybody points back to uh, Toy Story, or um, I'm trying to think of another older Pixar movie that everybody references, like Monsters Inc. Maybe or something. Yeah. More so than Inside Out, but uh, it's hard to know exactly what to say with like you you kind of summed up a lot of the movie but i do like the thing you pointed out about that uh edit of the movie that cuts out all of the emotion characters because i really love that because um i love cartoons and animation and um and like you know this is a movie where they personified emotions and uh i think it's really cool that you have like a really sad real story of this little girl but then you it's kind of like Pixar knew you need these kind of zany, cartoony, emotional, like, yeah. you know, sonification of emotion characters. You need them there to make it more palatable and make it more humorous. And uh, I just love the power of uh, whether it's, you know, whether it's done in CGI, whether it's done, you know, drawing an image, uh, you know, once I, I love the idea of using imagery and, uh, you know, made up characters and like the magic that can happen with that. And uh, I think what you're saying really can point to that. So that's awesome. Yeah. All right, man. Uh, what's your next pick of the night? Yeah. Um, so I think my, <laughs> I think, well, I'm not going to say anything, but uh, <laughs> I'm not going to say anything how this may or may not relate to your list, but uh, I actually went with uh, Ex Machina for my neck, my number two pick. Right uh, on. This, this movie is great. I think this is a movie that this movie I haven't revisited in it, revisited it in a bit. But if you look at what is going on in the world with uh, artificial intelligence, whether that comes to like Chat GTP, like if that if you're talking about artificial writing programs if you're talking about the artificial or you know the ai art stuff that's going on um you know i think the whole concept of like ai girlfriends and stuff is like just on the rise like it's we're kind of living in this really crazy turning point i think where like i feel like we're right on the tip of the cliff and we're about to fall into the abyss of AI taking over everything. And I think with like, within the past year, how the world's progressed, I think this would be a really fun 
not even fun, just a very interesting movie to rewatch. Cause I think this is a movie that's going to keep aging better and better through the years. Um, I love this movie because one of the cool things about it is there's really only like four characters, I want to say, but it's really like there's really kind of only like two main characters. And it's like the guy who's visiting the other guy's like home, like his laboratory, his place where he's like developing these AR, this this AI, these AI people, basically. And uh, there's like um Alicia Vikander, like she plays uh, Ava or Ava. I can't remember how it's pronounced, but she's like the main AI personality that this uh, visitor has to communicate with. And uh, there's like the other the other AI woman that he made. And I think it's I love movies like that where it's kind of like a really isolated cast. Like it's only a couple people who are in most of the film, but it kind of tells like this really tight knit story. Like I love that aspect of it. But I also like that this is a movie where you watch and you're thinking, like, if I had to interact with someone who I knew wasn't real, like if it was a robot and I knew it wasn't a real person, there's no way that I would develop emotions for this person. And I there's no way I would become loyal to this individually, you know, because I know they're not real. But then you watch the movie and you can see how that sort of uh, mindset gets twisted because we are humans, like we are emotional people. And <laughs> it kind of sucks to say, but in that situation, like most of us would become <laughs> slaves to the machine, <laughs> so to speak. Like it's a really interesting film and it's a really, uh, it really makes you think. And I also like that this is a really subtle film too. Like the way it ends is not the craziest, big, bombastic sort of series of events that could happen it's kind of a really subtle ending but the implications of what could come after that is so drastic it's really hard to wrap your head around you know what i mean and so this movie is kind of a genius movie in a lot of different ways um drew i'm sure you have thoughts on this one i don't know what you're thinking and i feel like you're burying the lead a little bit (laughs) i really do um so I absolutely adore this movie. This movie was an incredible surprise. It is probably, I think this is one of the most, this is one of the best movies in the past 10 years. Um, This movie, um, it's, uh, it's so important. It is an incredibly important film, but it's incredibly important right now. Um, to give you, just so you understand, so Oscar Isaac plays, um, uh, the scientist who has built an AI, he's built a robot and he needs to conduct what's called a Turing test. Now, if you don't know what a Turing test is, the Turing test is where they bring in someone who's not involved in the project to communicate with the AI or artificial intelligence. And if at any point during the communication, they're not sure if they're communicating with a person or the machine, the AI passes and it's officially artificial intelligence and it, and it passes the qualification of being intelligence. So he's created the specific robot played by Alicia Vikander, um, who you want to talk about. a You want to talk about a performance. She was nominated for a um, for an Oscar for this movie. 
oh my god like one of the best performances in the world it's so amazing um but they bring in the scientist he sits down and he has these sessions with the robot and you're right along with him and like when you start it like in my mind i was remember watching it going well he knows it's a robot he's being told it's a robot he's being told it's artificial intelligence but he's going to sit down and have a conversation at what point is he going to realize that it's not a robot and you as an audience member are suddenly like with him in the terms of I'm not dealing with a robot anymore. I'm dealing with actual life. Yeah. That's the scary part. That's what makes it terrifying. And it it makes you think, and this is such an important film, especially right now. I absolutely love this movie. I think everyone should see it. It is so incredible. Um, and it was nominated for a best picture. I think it was robbed and it really should have been the best picture of the year, but that's okay. Um, that's just my opinion, but yeah, no, I love this movie, dude. So I don't know if you have anything to add, but that's my thoughts on X Machina. Yeah. Yeah. Just the, the best picture aspect of it. It's funny to go back, um, to previous years and look at who won best picture and, uh, whether or not that was well-deserved. And I think <laughs> this is a movie where I, I actually don't know if I'm that familiar with, uh, spotlight as a film you said spotlight one yeah best picture. that was the movie that exposed the catholic churches with the sexual scandals oh okay that's so, what the movie that's what spotlight was about so. definitely very uh heavy subject matter as well yeah. um this movie i feel like people are still talking about in a way that i don't hear people talk about spotlight um i was actually wasn't expecting it to be such heavy subject matter though because that statement sounds a little bit weirder in that case but uh it does make me wonder, like, are people going to look back at this year and think like, well, you know, it should have been Ex Machina that won Best Picture or it should have been Fury Road. You know what I mean? Like what movies are actually going to be remembered better, you know? Yeah. Anyway, um, that was your pick. It's uh, my second number two pick of the night. Star Wars Force Awakens. I don't have to say anything else about it. I'm a Star Wars fan. I made my piece. But jumping back to my number two pick. Yeah. So. We matched there. Awesome. And the only reason I didn't say we matched is because this is that year list, so we're supposed to rank these. So yeah. I didn't want to say, hey, you know. <laughs> um, so I'm tossing it back to you, man. What's your final pick of the night? Yeah, so my final pick, I actually went with uh, Kingsman, The Secret Service. Wow. Yeah, this is... Not, not that that's a problem. I'm just surprised that that's your favorite of the year. So This is another one where I didn't necessarily know, but when you write down all the movies you watch during the year and look at them on paper. To me, Kingsman just hits on like all levels. Like it has like awesome, like action elements. It has awesome, like conspiracy thriller elements. It has awesome comedy elements. It has a great cast, it has so many cool concepts in it. It has so many cool gadgets when it comes to the espionage angles of it and stuff like that. Um, it's, I think King, I'm pretty sure Kingsman's rated R, which I'm it's I don't know if it's like the hardest of ours, but it's like a pretty mature film. And I think I loved that it delivered on that sort of like R rated comedy as well as like R rated action elements. Um, you have Samuel L. Jackson, who plays like a hilarious villain, um, but also a ridiculous villain, but also like kind of believable in really weird ways when it comes to uh the way that like some eccentric like billionaires and stuff are out there um 
this movie is just so fun. It's so rewatchable. This movie came out Valentine's Day weekend, and uh, I remember seeing this in theaters and not quite knowing what I was getting myself into, but just falling in love with this film right away. Uh, kind of a weird side note, but looking up this movie, I actually saw some uh, friction on when the movie was released because some places say it was released in 2014 and some movie or some places say it was released in 2015. Doing a little research, what I think happened is this movie was had some sort of advanced screening in 2014, like in January of 20 or I guess December of 2014. And then it was later released Valentine's Day weekend, like wide release for uh, on Valentine, you know, in 2015. And I think that's why there's like a weird thing about that online but it's definitely a 2015 film and uh no i just the kingsman's great it's one of those it hits like all like on all cylinders it's kind of like what everything i want from like this sort of like really fun action movie so i definitely had to uh pick this one uh but yeah sure Sure. and i'm with you it's a fantastic movie and i had a lot of like the action sequences are amazing in this movie um and yeah, there's a lot of just really cool, fun bits, man. It's the only quibble I had with it is like I felt lengthy, but there wasn't any point where I wasn't like not entertained. Um, but yeah, no, I thought this movie was great. Um, my final pick of the night is um, Ex Machina. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I, I, I figured this was going to be it. So sorry. All right. it's, it's the best movie. It was it is the best movie, period. End of discussion. Um, <laughs> that's all I got to say about it. It's just like this is the best movie, period. Um, I don't I feel like it was robbed of the um, best picture award. But hey, that is what it is, I guess, you know. So so, so I can say where I, I sit is I think out of the movies on my list, I think. Ex Machina is objectively the best one. Um, if I had to pick one movie for to have with me on a on a desert island, I'd probably go with Kingsman. <laughs> so that's kind of where it is. But I do agree Fair with enough. you. This was like probably the best movie that came out this year. You know what I mean? Well, it was definitely my favorite movie of the year. And that's the thing. Like this is a Star Wars year. And as much as I love Star Wars, Ex Machina was my favorite movie of the year. And I was just so excited. I was like, it's going to win Best Picture. Here we go. And then, you know, but, hey, that's all right. Um, all right, so that brings us to the end of this episode. This is the end of this list, but we got to talk about next week. Now, next week will be our Halloween episode. And you know, what's our favorites, all that stuff. Uh, next week, we're going to be doing something called uh, our horror movie survivors. So these are our favorite characters who made it to the ends of scary movies. Um, so the ones who follow the rules, like don't have sex and don't say I'll be back and don't say, you know, um, those kind of things. So, uh, do you have any thoughts on this before we go into it or just, this is going to be a fun list to discuss. This is going to be a fun list to discuss. Um, the Halloween, our Halloween episodes are always some of my favorite episodes for like the whole year. And, uh, I look forward to this one. I think this one's going to be a little hard because it's usually not the survivors that draw me into the horror movies. I usually get more passionate about being a fan of the villains, <laughs> to be honest. But uh, this should be a pretty fun pick. And I'm hoping we're going to talk about some really good films, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. Um, and it makes me realize, like, 
you know, I was thinking about like there's subgenres of horror films like space horror is a thing. And there's, you know, you have fantasy horror and you have regular like slasher picks and you have creature features and you have like there's a lot of variants here. So, um, you know, like for just for example, um, every now and then I'm in a conversation and I feel like somebody when you're talking scary movies in the group will bring up Event Horizon. It's not your typical horror movie, but someone always brings it up and it's a phenomenal film. <laughs> so yeah. you never know. Someone survived that movie, too. So you never know. That's what we're going to talk about. The people who made it to the end of the movie. Um, but yeah, uh, we also be probably joined by a couple guests um, next week. Our friend Audrey, who was on a couple weeks ago, she will be back. She's she's a big horror person. And definitely like when we finished the when we finished recording, Peter, you and I turned off the mics. She was leaving my house and she goes, I really want to play on Halloween. And I said, well, come play. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I go, come play. Let's do it. Um, nice. And then uh, and then I'm um, seeing if I can have another guest so we can do a roundtable and have a cool little discussion about horror films. So anyway, that being said, uh, you ready to end this episode, Peter? Yeah. Cool. Let's do it. Um, everybody do us all a favor. Check out our website, topfivereport.com. There you'll find links to all of our social media, um, including a link to our email, topfivereport at gmail.com. You can interact there. Social media, either way it works. Um, we are on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Google Play, Stitcher, Amazon, Audible. You can subscribe to us in those places. If you do, you'll not miss a single episode. You can also leave us a review. We love those five stars. Um, but we understand criticism because it helps us get better and it makes the words we say feel important. Um, you can follow me personally on Twitter and Instagram at Drew3927. Peter, what about you? Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Ninja Pierre, and that's where I will be talking about how I'll be putting Frozen on mute and quoting Monty Python over it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody. <laughs> For the Top 5 Report, I'm Drew. I'm Peter. And we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening.